Sunset is an angel weeping Holding out a bloody sword No matter how I squint I cannot Make out what it's pointing toward Sometimes you feel Facing the cage I've proven who I am so many times The magnetic strips worn thin And each time I was someone else Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Adarsh Meshru, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. This is a song by Bruce Coburn, spelled Cockburn, it looks like, uh, C-O-C-K-B-U-R-N. Um, he's a Canadian, uh, well, I guess you'd just call him a folk singer, and uh, he's had a very long career, probably 50-plus years, and... Uh, you know, he, he he has got a huge following. Huge following. He was a lot bigger, say, 25 years ago. But uh, he's been around for a long time. So this is a song of his that I've always enjoyed. And um, we'll play a little, another Canadian uh, composer at the next break. Okay, this is the... Uh, time that we discuss markets markets are topsy-turvy and there's worse it's hard to cushion your portfolio so what this is saying is that you know quite often what we've had uh in markets when the stock market sells off you will see a flight to safety typically where people kind of come out of stocks and into treasury bonds they're both dropping in a, in a way that's uh, unnerving. I mean, I remember seeing this in the 80s, uh, certainly the early 80s. I mean, it was a massacre in both bonds and stocks. Uh, there were other times uh, when uh, they would go opposite. Uh, 1987, uh, you had a huge drop in the stock market October 19th. And the long, uh, you had a 22% drop that day, which was like 500 points. Back then, 500 points was a 22% drop because the Dow was, I don't know, somewhere around 2,100 or 1,900. I don't remember where it was. But, but that day, as the stock market was dropping, uh, the I think the 30-year Treasury had been yielding 10.5%. And it rallied all day long from 10.5% to 
to like 9%. I mean, it rallied like 150 basis points in one day. That's a huge move. You know, it's like a 15-point move on the, the bond itself. Uh, so the, there have been times in uh, financial history where they go down together. There's been times when they counteract each other. You know, I, I think that treasuries are not seen as safe right now when the Fed is, is quote, fighting inflation trying to get interest rates higher. So your treasury bond, now let's get this right. It's not that there's a lack of safety as to whether your interest and principal will get paid. It's a lack of price stability because of um, interest rates that continue to seem to rise. Uh, And in the lack of news, uh, and especially when, you know, right now, anything that's going to be good news for the economy, which would be unemployment down, is going to hammer the bond market. And normally that would be good for the stock market, but because the bond market's getting hammered, it's not helping the stock market either. Right. I mean, th- this, you know, the, the world we live in is completely, uh, you know, perverse as far as... Um, you know, how markets have been reacting, as you said, to good news, where, you know, typically when economic data is strong, companies and stocks rally because that means that their earnings are probably going to go up, increase. Uh, But now, given that, you know, we've had a stock market, so interest rates have been extremely low for a long time. Since the financial crisis, they've remained low they hit 4% uh, briefly around 2011. And then since then, they dropped uh, basically to about 0.45% in uh, uh, March of 2020. So the move that we've seen, seen since then is the biggest move uh, percentage-wise, uh, biggest decline percentage-wise in bond prices ever, really. I mean, in the 80s, you know... Uh, yeah, they went from 6% to 10%, but, right. you know, that's only about a 40% increase in the year. Or, right. Well, yeah, maybe, no, maybe more like a 60% increase in the year, right? Right now we've had like, we're, we're looking at about a five, 600% right. increase in the yield. I mean, you know, from 0.46 to uh, almost 4.6. <laughs> right. So... Uh, so uh, the the market is adjusting to this because the market is still not sure if these rates are here to stay or if this is a temporary, temporary. rise and then they drop again. Um, but the market is definitely freaked out. And when I say the market, I mean the stock market is definitely freaked out because all risk assets have to be repriced because the rate of interest uh, is different now compared to what it was just a year ago, which means that, you know, if a stock is trading at 25 PE when interest rates are zero, that same stock may have to trade at a 15 PE if interest rates are going to be 4%. Uh, Plus, now there is an alternative. All these years, it was, you know, you buy stocks, you buy dividend-paying stocks because there was no income to be uh, gotten from anywhere. 
And now you could buy a two-year bond and get 4.5%. It's incredible. So, um, but, but still, despite that, you know, bonds are not getting a bid. So uh, the market uh, is still a little freaked out as far as, you know, how high interest rates will go. Uh, but there will come a point where the 60-40 portfolio, which is tri- typically, you know, how uh, portfolios were uh, traditionally uh, allocated, especially for retirees, uh, you know, will make a comeback. So this year, the 60-40 portfolio, which means 60% allocated to stocks, 40% allocated to bonds, has had the worst year since 1974. And uh, if you were just invested in bonds, then you've had one of your worst years ever. You sound like you're a little freaked out, too. (laughs) Well, uh, we've seen this happen before. Panics happen. Right now, there's clearly a panic. And it will subside, you know, at the moment. I don't know if it's... A true panic. I mean, it's a it's sort of an orderly panic. I would say, you know, I mean, you've not seen any, you've not seen any big hedge funds or financial institutions get in particular trouble that, that I've that I've heard of. That that's true, and I think that speaks to the underlying strength of uh, balance sheets and the economy in general, uh, where institutions are in relatively good shape. Now, we did see some trouble uh, in the UK, United Kingdom, where their pension funds got into trouble because of this sudden move. But so far, nothing here in the US. What I have noticed, I I look at bond prices every day, and six months ago, bond prices would move maybe half a percent, long-term bonds, especially half a percent or, you know, 0.75% in a day. And now we are seeing two and a half, three percent moves in a single right. day. So the volatility has definitely increased significantly. So another thing that it has affected are the, uh, so you have a very large market uh, for mortgages, which are uh, typically, and I saw this whole thing come about in my career. Um, when I started in the business in 1978, uh, mortgages were typically done by savings and loans, not banks, but SNLs, uh, which had a, a different kind of charter than a bank. Um, they didn't really do checking accounts. They did savings accounts, and they paid a little more interest and they funded themselves also through the federal home loan bank and some of the other uh, government agencies. And they made lo- long-term mortgage loans and held them on their books. Uh, and now back then savings account rates were like 5%. So you could go to any SNL or bank and get 5% on your savings. So what happened was uh, that the banks held a lot of these 30-year mortgages and rates didn't move back move that much back then. And so, you know, there was never a funding problem and they had a spread and they would make money. And, and most of them were mutual savings and loans, which meant they were not owned by shareholders. They were uh, owned essentially by their depositors. Same thing with a mutual insurance company. You're not a shareholder stock-owned company. So uh, that arrangement worked great for decades until uh, the major upheaval of the 80s, or really early 80s, late 70s, where interest rates went up 
precipitously. And now you had a mismatch because the, uh, the portfolios of mortgages in the SNLs um, were way underwater. Uh, and they didn't really have to market to market, but after a while it begins to be noticeable. And what happens is your short-term funding cost, you know, when, when short-term rates are getting up towards double digits, people are not putting money in a 5% uh, savings account anymore. So they were losing their funding and the SNL um, industry had a real crisis. They were, there was another, uh, it wasn't FDIC, it was FISLIC, F-S-L-I-C, that insured the uh, uh, savings and loan deposits. FISLIC became basically insolvent, had to be bailed out, and a lot of things happened. And what changed in the mortgage industry is that you went from mortgage originations happening at savings and loans. Now you had mortgage companies, banks, people got into the game. What they would do would they would originate the mortgage. Then once the mortgage was funded, it would get sold into a mortgage pool, which then became securitized, meaning it was turned into a tradable security. Uh, Typically, what's called a pass-through certificate, which is like a bond, but it's not really like a bond because unlike a bond, it pays some principal and interest every month to the uh, investor in, in the piece in the pass-through certificate. So you had Freddie Mac, that's... Uh, Basically, the real name for Freddie Mac was uh, something. You had uh, Fannie Mae, and I know that name was Federal National Mortgage Association. I've driven by their headquarters. It's like in Arlington, Virginia. Kind of looks like Williamsburg style. Oh, uh, the other one is uh, Federal... Home Loan Mortgage Corporation. That's Freddie Mac. And then you had Jenny May also. That's Government National Mortgage Association, GNMA. All created pass-through certificates whereby mortgages could be originated, kind of dumped into a pool, and then turned into an investable um, security. And so, therefore, it took the... Uh, the risk off the balance sheet of, of the issuing institution. So that's a huge market today. They typically have a 30 year final maturity, but because they pay back principal and interest every month, their average life is a lot shorter. It's around 12 years. The duration is not 30 years. It wouldn't be 30 years on a 30-year bond unless it was a zero. So, you know, these things are constantly paying back principal and interest. But they tend to uh, pay back less when the nominal rate on the 
PC is lower than the market rate. And right now, I'm told that on the long end, the 30-year mortgage yields are somewhere between 65 and 7%. I haven't seen a quote recently, but they've gotten up there. Consequently, what's happening? So you go and you're thinking about buying this house, and a year ago you could get about a 3.5% 30-year mortgage. Today you're looking at 6.5%. That's going to put a lot of people on the sidelines. In fact, we had a, uh, a piece of information from the Mortgage Bankers Association that uh, the latest numbers are year over year purchase applications for new mortgages are down 38%. That's from the, the last year ago to now. And refi apps are down 86%. So one of the things that's going to happen is that, in my opinion, the housing market, at least for for folks that have to finance their houses, the housing market is going to slow down considerably. And if you get that, uh, you will get uh, a slowdown in the overall economy. May not happen till after Christmas. Probably won't. But you come January, February, and it's cold. <laughs> you're going to get some numbers that are going to you're going you're gonna to wonder what happened to inflation, my opinion. That's just me. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think there are adequate signs that, you know, uh, inflation is going to drop. We know when we look at commodity prices, used car prices, they've been dropping. Um, and uh, just the fact that interest rates have gone up as much they have as they have, uh, people are not going to be buying homes like they did. So, unlike you know, what's interesting is unlike the financial crisis, uh, homes are not coming onto the market despite uh, you know a slowdown and a rise in um, interest rates because people who've locked in mortgage rates at you know three and a half percent are just not going to sell their homes. So if you're not seeing inventory, uh, right? But that could also change, um, you know, at some point. Um, so, you know, uh, I think we are going to see the effects of everything that's been done by the Fed. And, you know, right now it seems like this is never going to end. Inflation is here to stay. But we are going to start seeing the uh, effects yeah. uh, here in a few months. And the same thing happened on the other I side. I mean, I even think that inflation ultimately takes care of itself. Right. Right. Regardless of what the Fed does. Yeah, the only situation where it does not take care of itself is, you know, and, and it, this usually happens either, you know, in extremely poor countries where or in countries that are led by dictatorships where the government is just, you know, giving people money constantly. They give money to their cronies, yes. a lot of them. Right. And that ends up back in... so. Where money really starts to affect the economy is when it goes directly into consumption. Right. If it goes into banks and, uh, you know, even into uh, the investment markets and things, it, it doesn't have as a as direct an effect on right. uh, uh, price inflation. Absolutely. And but if you put it in the hands of people, 
they're going to go out and spend it, and yes, it will. Right, right. I mean, you remember back in 2009, 2010, everyone thought there was going to be a lot of inflation, but there was right. no inflation. And this it, time around. Not until they started writing people. That's right. kind of what they did here is giving people money, stimulus money. Yeah, that's going to be inflationary. Right, right. Now, the Fed is still culpable because the Fed was basically buying all, all that debt that the government was issuing. Uh, so... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, now we know, and we saw what just happened in the UK, where the bond market said, no, you, you just cannot, you know, run deficits because we are going to jack up interest rates. And, you know, so that, that, that can definitely happen. All right, I'm going to jump in right there. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with the Darsh Mashru. If you'd like for us to take a and look. And how about you? And who else? I'm the just the introducing. What's voice. your name? Yeah, what is your name? It sounds like I'm a child, Elizabeth Dupree. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the show. But as I was saying, if you want to give us a call, eight five nine two three three zero four hundred, we'd be happy to explain more to you about what's going on in the economy and take a look at your portfolio. You can also go to our website, DupreeFinancial.com, and find out more information about Dupree Financial Group and our team. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree Show. Stay tuned. Set me to pacing the cage. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. In my 44 years in the investment business, I have found that the best time to invest in any type of security is when that security is in a bear market, similar to the times we are in now. If you've been thinking of investing, don't wait for the market to make a bottom. Consider beginning to average into your investment, knowing that while you may not be hitting the bottom, you will be getting an average price over time, which will probably be considerably lower than prices after the bear market is over. I have seen it work many times. Call us at 859-233-0400 for a no-obligation review of your investment accounts. And be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays at 7 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. In the early morning rain. Set to go 
While I'm stuck here on the ground Where the chilly cold winds blow Where the liquor tasted good And the women all were fast Welcome back to the Tom DePue Show. Join us for the second half of the hour of the second hour. Darsh Meshru, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Okay, this is another Canadian composer. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot wrote this song, and it's performed by Jerry Reed, who's one of my favorite guys. And, you know, I tell you, there was... When, uh, when we were young, growing up over on Summit Drive... My parents were friends with a lot of different folks. One of them was the late uh, Roger Ladenberger, who was uh, a civil engineer. And uh, Roger uh, was a kind of a cool guy back then. He had a Jaguar XKE, if you remember what those look like. It kind of looks like a goldfish with the... <laughs> The uh, grill looks like the, the fish's mouth, and his was a convertible. And he also played uh, a guild guitar, 12-string. Uh, I remember him playing this song one time, singing it, and, uh, you know, Roger was a neat guy. Uh, a lot of us really loved him. He was good friends with my buddies, the Rushing Boys, also. And uh, so, uh, you know... Uh, good times and good to, memories. He used to smoke Marlboro. Um, he smoked Marlboro uh, Red. The you know the the box. Remember the Marlboros in the box? They're a little shorter. And that my there'd be a party going on, and I'd start bumming cigarettes. And after like the second one, he'd say, "Why don't you think about buying a pack yourself?" <laughs> I'm thinking that's because that you would, never smoked, that would, yeah, right? Yeah, that would yeah. mean I was a smoker. You know, I couldn't do that. I mean, you know, but uh, he was always good for at least one cigarette. Great guy. Um, so, you know, what do you do in a market like this? Uh, there, things are down. If you're an investor, you're probably down. If you have any money on the sidelines, you're probably saying there's no way and you know what I'm going to invest it. But here's the thing. Bear markets are the very best times to invest. Now, if if you have uh, if you have uh, been sitting in cash, it's going to be psychologically very hard for you to get back in the market. And the reason is because you're proud of the fact that you avoided the big drop. And emotionally, you're probably not ready to go back in because you can't bear the thought that you might buy in too soon and now be looking at some losses. Here's what I would say to that. Try buying some things that pay dividends, and the chances that those dividend yields are higher right now than they were six months ago because the price of the stock is lower. 
let's say you had X amount of dollars. Put in one-tenth of X right now. You're probably not going to hit the bottom, and you're not in, but you won't be hitting the top. And then next month, put some more in. And that's a way of legging into the market and potentially setting yourself up for some incredible gains down the road. Most investors, including myself, don't think big enough. Uh, a guy like Warren Buffett, because he has been able to think about the big aspects of investing, has been able to make a lot of money. But the fact is, he started off with nothing really that different than what you and I have. He really didn't come to it with a silver spoon in his mouth. He just studied stocks and companies very closely and then made investments. He made some mistakes. He was willing to learn from his mistakes. Some people, it takes longer to get good at it. Investing is a little bit like playing golf or a sport. You can't, but here's the difference. Sometimes it's tougher to, even if mentally you're good at a sport, your body will constrain you as you get older into whether you're any good at tennis or anything, or you might have a back problem, you can't play golf. But this game can get better as you get older, and you can learn from your mistakes and build on them. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, that's very well put. I mean, the natural tendency of people during bear markets is to just ignore it and not do anything you know uh, right people don't want to look at their statements people don't want to come to terms with the fact that you know the value of their accounts may not be as high as it once was and that's that's a very painful feeling um, so it's right <clears throat> but there are things you can do that we've seen it happen that could potentially position you to have a count that may be significantly higher right. because typically you'll have a bear market and then afterwards you're going to make much higher highs than ever were in the past. Right. So the best course of action, you know, there are two things to do. I mean, first of all, bear markets uh, are when you lay the groundwork, you know, and when uh, right. when you prepare your portfolio for the next bull market, and they, they always come. It feels like it's never going to happen, but they always yeah. do. I mean, 08, 09 was terrible, and the bear market lasted for a long time. Markets peaked in 2007, and they bottomed in March of 2009. Uh, same in, 2000, uh, in the bear market between the year 2000 and 2002. Um, <clears throat> but it's important to keep in mind that... Uh, Bear markets is when bargains emerge. Uh, during bull markets, you know, things get overvalued and, you know, people are buying stuff without any fear. Uh, but bear markets is when you can really find bargains. And secondly, uh, it's also important to reassess your portfolio and maybe even get rid of some things which uh, are either not working or which have not been good investments. Uh Taking losses is very hard, but sometimes you can get out of something that hasn't been working and put that money into something that is working. So, uh, you know, as painful as that may be, uh, you have to uh, 
you know, divorce yourself from investments that are just not working. And, uh, you know, a bear market is a good time to reassess your entire portfolio and start looking for uh, opportunities. And as you said, Tom, you don't have to buy everything in one go. You can leg in gradually because no one knows where the bottom is. No one knows how long the bear market will last. But uh, ultimately, uh, during bear markets, when panics happen, that's when good companies start trading at discounts. And uh, that's usually a good time to be buying. Right. Um, I will say this again about the dividends. Let's look at it this way. Let's say you own a stock that was uh, trading for $20 a share. Um, and it was paying a dollar a year in dividends. That was a 5% a year return. Let's say that same stock, nothing's really happened to the business to harm the business. Basically, what you've had is a general drop in the market. And let's say that same stock has now dropped to $10 a share. So it was trading at $20 a share and it was paying $5 a, I'm sorry, a dollar a share per year in dividends, which is a 5% yield because, you know, a dollar is 5% of $20. It's now dropped to $10, but it's still paying the dollar in yield. On new purchases of that stock, now you have a yield of 10%. So it could drop to eight or seven or six. We don't know, but it's trading at 10 right now. And if you think that there's a good chance that the dividend will continue to be paid because the business itself isn't in trouble, you might buy some. Let's say it drops to six. You might either buy a little more or not buy any, but you're still getting 10% yield on the stuff you bought at 10. And if it dropped to six and stayed there for four years, you would get four years of a dollar a share in dividends, and finally you get your money back on that purchase. We don't know where the market's going. We don't know how cheap any one stock can get. We almost have to assume in a bear market that it will get cheaper. And when we buy something in a bear market, we have to assume that we may at some point be looking at a loss on what we bought. But when things begin to turn around and we get into a bull market where people say, yeah, it's okay to buy stocks now. The price is going to shoot back past what you paid, even if you were looking at a loss. Sometimes so quickly it'll make your head swim. And even it can do it so quickly that you don't have time to get your money invested. Because when everybody is of a consensus, and really markets think in groupthink, they all kind of do the same thing at the same time. When they all have a consensus that it's okay to buy stocks again, you better have already had your money invested. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a good chance that 
you're making a good investment if it's uncomfortable when you're making that investment. Exactly. That's Be- exactly right. Because you know, that's when you are going against uh the trend. That's when you are going against consensus. And that's usually when uh you know, uh valuations are the most attractive. Uh it's also important you know during bear markets if say one is buying individual stocks it's important to focus and pay attention to companies uh that are uh quality businesses companies that have staying power because again we don't know how long a bear market will last we don't know how long a potential recession could last so focus on quality companies that have the resources to survive uh recessions or bear markets uh don't get too tempted by you know just because the stock has dropped from 100 to 80 it's dropped 100 to 20 it's dropped 80% does not mean it cannot drop from uh 20 to you know 2 so focus on high quality companies fifth third bank down the street here dropped uh in 09 to like a dollar and something and then it came all the way back gosh i don't know where the stock has been in recent years but uh I know that if you had bought well right now it's at $31 so but it, in in uh 09 it, it got under $2 right and, and there were many stocks like that uh that dropped significantly because at, at that point uh we didn't know who was going to survive and who wasn't uh so uh but again the ones that uh you know had stronger balance sheets that had maybe even been through a crisis and that's that's what's uh, tricky this time there are a lot of companies that went public in the last few years they've never seen a real crisis or they've never seen a bear market um uh, especially tech companies so it'll be interesting to see who survives uh so again you know you have to buy the best you cannot just buy a company because its stock price has dropped Yeah, I mean the the fact is balance sheets matter uh debt to equity matters um cash on the balance sheet, cash flow um top line and bottom line revenues uh earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation and amortization and earnings afterwards you 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 need to look at a good income statement good balance sheet but if you can find those things and 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 establish that you uh you know are able to um buy those in the things that you're buying you should be okay right right absolutely yes um <clears throat> again you know bear markets as scary as they are they are opportunities uh we don't know how long they'll last but this is the time to really look at your portfolio talk to your financial advisor figure out what you can do to lay the groundwork for the next bull market right and as since mike's not here i will say this for him know what you own If you don't know what you own and your financial advisor is not helping you understand to know what you own, we would be happy to take a look and help you to understand how you are positioned with your portfolio 
in this market, and that is a complimentary service that we offer. Um, and we take our we take pride in the fact that we educate our customers, and we we attempt to do that with this radio show. That's one of the foundations of the show is to help people feel more comfortable with their finances. Let me say this. Um, I feel very certain about certain stocks that we follow that they're going to be very profitable and that the prices will ultimately be higher. One thing a bear market makes you do is dig deeply into your research and you have to have conviction, you know, about the things that you're uh, buying. There are several things that we own. I know I feel this way about these stocks and, uh, and I believe that in the next few years, you will see some generational wealth created by people who are smart enough and take action to own some things in here that they ought to consider owning. Um, you know, it could get ugly for a while, but I, I've been through markets where something I bought went way down in price. I kept it, and it, it ended up working out, you know. And I, I was, in some cases, I was able to add more in a down market, which I did and was glad that I did. This is something you should really consider. If you are interested in making money in the stock market, you should consider doing this. Right. Yes. So patience is definitely key. Yeah, there, there is an old saying that during bear markets, stocks go back to their rightful owners and that usually happens. You know, a lot of money is made. A lot of people become rich in bull markets, but very few are able to hold on, hold on, survive bear markets. When you look at the top uh, tech billionaires. I don't know what the number is that they're down three or four hundred billion dollars. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah. I mean, Tesla is down close to 50 percent now. So, um, yeah, so Musk was worth what? Over 200 billion at one point. So yeah. Now he's probably in the hundreds. Oh, a poor time. guy. Poor guy. <laughs> he's a cool dude, though. I, I, I like the guy. And it looks like he's probably definitely going to do the Twitter deal, right? Yes, looks like it, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, you just, yeah, it's no fun. It's uncomfortable. It may remain uncomfortable for a while. Uh, but look at the underlying business. And understand that a bear market is caused by a big part of it is emotion. And emotions change. People that are emotional and the market, it would certainly apply to that because it's made up of people, is fickle. And it can get fickle again. So keep your eyes open. All right, I'll start the music there. That's a good place for me to jump in. Tom has said before, the market goes up and down, but good companies endure. We would love to take a look at your portfolio and help you to learn and know what you own to make sure that you are positioned to take advantage of whatever your situation happens to be. We want to make your money work for you. And we are just a phone call away 
859-233-0400. We offer free complimentary reviews. And we can also be, you can also schedule on our website. There's a a tab uh, that you can click on and schedule an appointment directly onto our calendar. It's that easy. And it's a no obligation review. So go to our website, dupreefinancial.com and set up a time to come see us. We're right on Main Street in Lexington and a phone call away. We appreciate you listening to this hour. We'll be back next hour with uh, one of our favorite guys, Dr. John Wong. Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few minutes. And the women all will face. There she goes.